Hey everyone, thanks for checking into LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this is Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring you experts in the world of business and employment, looking to pass along their knowledge and insight into the success of your career. Now, the emphasis for this show is on networking and ways to help you become a master networker, aiding in your career success or advancement. Now, joining us to broach this subject is Michael Furtick, the founder and CEO of Reputation.com, and a gentleman with some great insight into this area. Michael, thanks for coming on LJN Radio. Thank you. First of all, just as a broad scope, when you hear networking, when you think of networking, what's your definition? How do you view it? So there are two reasons I think about networking professionally. One is because I'm the CEO of a company, right? Reputation.com has 170 employees, and I'm a networker myself. We hire people who are good at networking. Often people who are good at networking, at least as I define it, are often good at other things too. It's often a kind of a good signal of success in the workplace. So Think very much about how people can network and do it effectively versus kind of superficially. Secondly, my day job is the CEO of Reputation.com, and and exactly what we think about at Reputation.com is how you present yourself socially, professionally, and digitally, the kind of digital capital that you build up, the social capital that you build up in your offline and online interactions, and how that comes to create and translate into success for you in your career. So I've been writing about networking for some time, and I uh, have synthesized some of the thinking into this social rule that's an acronym called SOCIAL, which is very apt because, of course, <laughs> right. networking is so, is so uh, social. So it's, it's five rules, S-O-C-I-L, <laughs> which is almost spelled social, um, and they're search, offer, care, indicate, and listen. So a lot of people think, by the way, there's a myth of networking. A lot of people think that networking is meeting people. Mm. And the number one thing that I say to people who are interested in networking is that it's not all about shaking as many hands as possible. It's not all about trading as many business cards as possible. In fact, planned and cultivated stuff, surgical stuff, targeted stuff is much better. A lot of people who are nervous about networking think that they have to go to a party and then meet everyone in the room and they're too shy and it, it seems very overwhelming. That's not what the most effective networkers I know do. So the first thing is search for the right person, not everyone. You have to it's not about shameless self-promotion. It's about making sure that you think in advance before you go to an event, mm-hmm. maybe an alumni event for your university. Think in advance, who are the two or three people or two or three kinds of people you'd like to meet? And it doesn't mean you have to barrel into them and shake their hand and corner them. But instead of spending your time kind of in the equivalent of a uh, speed dating mechanism. You go and you talk to the people who are most interesting for you. So if you need to meet people who are in the field of medical, in the medical field, you go meet the people who are in the medical field and you learn from them, you listen to them. That's, the, that's sort of the first thing. It's not about volume, it's about quality. Right. The second thing is usually offering to help is a great way to do it. Not everybody repays kindness with kindness, mm-hmm. but a lot of people who are sort of loaded for bear in a networking setting and are kind of a little bit nervous and a little bit shy. And when you ask them for something at first, they may not know what to do. They're a lot more receptive if you can find a way to help them. So often it's about, hey, how can I help you? Or, hey, have you met this other person who you might be interested in meeting? That's something that can really break the ice and also create an atmosphere where you are 
a net adder to people's lives rather than just a net taker. Well, let me touch on that really quick. Uh, the idea of offering something up. I think a lot of people go into it thinking, especially if maybe it's a lot of big wigs and they feel like oh, I have nothing to offer. I mean, how, how do you get past that? How do you how do you believe in yourself, so to speak, that you can be of a help to someone else? Well, you absolutely, everybody can be of a help to someone else. And the first thing to understand is that everybody is a little shy. Everybody is a little nervous. Everybody wants something, needs something. It doesn't mean that they want and need something the same way you do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they want or need the same thing you do. But it could be everything from, hey, what do you want, a beer? To, (laughs) there you go. Yeah, I'm going to the bar. Can I bring you back a beer? To, hey, you know, I understand that you're looking to meet more executives in the medical space, Mm -hmm. right? And I know some people at this party who are senior executives in the medical space. Okay. And that's not what I do, but that's what they do. And and it would just be interesting for you guys to connect. Sure. And that that even the spirit of that, even if it turns out not to be very effective, so long as you haven't uh, made a dumb introduction, mm-hmm. usually the spirit of that is is creating a kind of goodwill that allows you to kind of pay it forward and do something first. And a lot of people respond very favorably to that, especially in my experience, um, Americans respond very favorably to that. Okay. So it's a nice thing to do. The other thing is that that when you interact, the C of social is you have to care what other people think. Hmm. You have to pay attention the way you would in a friendship to the social cues when people are acting comfortable or uncomfortable or they want to say something, when they want to speak and be heard instead of listen to what you have to say, which is also important. We do this in our friendships all the time. And unfortunately, in professional settings, when we have when we think we're on a mission to go meet people in a networking setting, we seem to forget the basic social cues. And one of the reasons that we forget to do do this is that we're looking to meet 50 people in an evening, Hmm, not five or one. And if you spend the extra 10 or 15 minutes you know, connecting with somebody, you end up finding that that can be a much bigger lever for both that person and for you. So really paying close attention, really listening in that way uh, to all the cues is very, very, very important. The other thing is that, you know, the I in social is about indicating your appreciation. I remember there's a great character uh, from The Office called Michael Scott. We all know him. Sure. Who says this great yeah. line, which is, I want them sucking up to me because they genuinely love me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good line, right? Of course, that's not how uh, you know you need to behave. You don't need to be obsequious uh, or fawning. Everybody does appreciate an indication of how valuable their time and attention are. So the old-fashioned way of doing this is to send a handwritten note saying, "Hey, great to meet you." And sometimes, sometimes that's a great way to do it. And some people are more old-fashioned. You don't have to be very old-fashioned about it if you don't want to. You can uh, do it a few ways. In email. You can say, hey, great to meet you. Thanks. Uh, you know, I have a thought for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow up on that question you had. And you end the email with a little question saying, hey, what do you think of this? Whether they respond or not, it leaves a kind of an open uh, door for further communication. If you're a social media user, you can tweet and say, hey, I just met so-and-so, you know, and you tweet their handle. And all of a sudden, it's clear that you're publishing to the world that you thought this person was interesting and that you talked about something interesting. So those indications of appreciation can actually really be remembered. Even if you don't get feedback about them immediately, they often get remembered. And then the most important one is that networking is not about talking. It's about listening. It's about hearing what people clearly care about. It's about making them feel heard. And it's about developing a picture of who they are and what they what their interests are 
based on that. It's the old advice that you got when your parents were teaching you how to go on a date, which was <laughs> stop talking and start listening. It's uh, the same thing. I never got that advice. I don't know if that was... <laughs> Maybe it comes to you naturally. I I wouldn't say that, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that another time. You know, you've given us a lot to chew on in terms of, you know, breaking it down in those ways. Uh, If we, you know, maybe dig a little deeper with some of this as a a general idea, when you think of someone who is good at networking, what sort of traits come to mind? What skills, what personalities? Some people say, well, I, I can't schmooze. I don't know how to talk to people, but, you know, you're expressing it's not all about that. So what, what sort of characteristics are you really looking at that fit into this social idea you have? You know, often the power schmoozers are often the worst networkers. Really? Um, yeah. The, the people who are, it doesn't mean they all are, but often they are. Sure. So the people have the worst idea, the most mistaken idea about what networking is. They think that, oh, I went out to a party. I met like 10 people, right? It's almost as intelligent as saying, like, if you're on the dating scene, I went out to a bar and I met 10 chicks or 10 guys tonight. <laughs> right. It's like, well, you know, okay, there's a certain virtue and volume, I guess, <laughs> but it's only limited. It's pretty limited. So the thing is, what kind of connection did you make? What kind of identification did you and the other person have mm-hmm. with each other? And so often the best networking doesn't happen at events. Okay. In fact, I would say the, the highest quality networking does not happen in group settings or in events. Often the highest quality networking happens when you go on a LinkedIn or you go send an email to somebody who runs a company or does sales in a business or ha- does marketing in a business. And you reach out to them and say, hey, I'd like to meet you. I'd like to learn more about what you do. And I'd like to tell you about what I do. Now, the most effective way to do that is when you don't have something to sell right now. Right. It's when you're just trying to reach out in your network. So there's a guy who worked for me for a long time. And all for the number of years he worked for me here at this company, every week he would reach out to someone who worked at a different business in high tech just to get to meet him. Hey, you know. Uh, would you like to get together for a beer? And probably every other time he reached out, they would say yes. And then probably, you know, he'd go and get a beer with them once in a while and just get a sense of what their business was like. Well, over time, that turned into revenue for reputation.com. It also turned into career opportunities for him Mm -hmm. because he was just meeting interesting people. It also turned out to be a very interesting way for him to educate himself on multiple different industries and different applications and different teams and different company cultures. So, you know, that one-to-one interaction is so valuable. I got to tell you, as a CEO, I receive a lot of these inbound inquiries. And, I, you know, as a matter of time, I can't meet them all. I can't uh, answer them all. But I will say that when we a company was smaller, I used to be able to answer more of them. And uh, there are very few people who are not CEOs. In other words, most people who are not CEOs are rarely contacted in a true networking outreach, I'd like to meet you kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out to be a very flattering thing to do if you just reach out to them and say, hey, I'd like to meet you. It doesn't mean it always gets answered. Right. You have to have a certain amount of outreach in order to get a certain amount of uptake. But that's like anything else in your working life. And so it's a very productive thing to do. And you don't have to have an agenda. You can just have a beer or a lunch or a coffee or whatever it is, make it low key get to meet them, ask them about themselves, and maybe you have something that you're interested in that you can express to them you're interested in. That is the most powerful work networking I know of. Do you think that's where a lot of individuals make the mistake is they wait till they need something. They need to push a product. They need to get a job. They need something. And at that point, it's almost too late because it is synthetic. It's not that genuine that you're talking about. It's often a big mistake. You're exactly right. Kind of the regular drumbeat, investing you know 5% of your time or whatever is the right percentage for you in reaching out and hanging out your shingle 
is such a good practice of so many of the best executives and successful people I know. So it's not just a matter of reaching out when you don't need something. It's not just a matter of reaching out when you do need something. It's also a matter of putting up your own flag and saying, here I am. So what does that mean? That means that some of the best networking there is is actually what I call pull networking. So if you have a blog or if you tweet about something or if you write about a certain topic and you express your passion about a certain topic, that's a very good way for people to find you and to reach out to you. And so you may know that I write uh, a lot for different publications, uh, Harvard Business Review and Forbes and Scientific American and LinkedIn. And I think, in fact, that's how you found me. And it is one of the ways, yep. It is one of the ways you found me. And so the idea is that when you put up your flag at whatever scale you do it, people can find you and say, hey, not only are you finding me, but I can find you and I'm interested in what you, do, you have to say and I can identify with you because what you say sort of interests me. Right. And so that's a very powerful thing to do. And it's very important to do it again, as you pointed out, when you don't need something, when you're not flogging something in particular. By the way, there's nothing wrong with flogging something. Everyone's <laughs> got to sell a product. Right. Sure. But you don't have to corner someone. People feel cornered when you have something to sell, whereas, in fact, they feel wide open when you don't. Let's take it back a little bit to whether it might be some sort of event or group gathering. You had talked about caring what others think and sort of watching for maybe some of these uh, nonverbal signs so that you can either get out of the conversation or stop talking or, or whatever it may be. Are there any little tips you could offer up to the listeners to say this is something you would look for specifically or maybe even something you yourself are doing that would indicate you're not really into the conversation and that clearly would be a poor way of networking? You know, that's a great, that's a great question. And I'm going to give you a very practical answer to both that question and another thing. You might, you know, it, your listeners might get a kick out of the fact that almost every conference I ever went to, and I know this is true of many people who are running their own companies and so forth, in advance, if the, if the list of attendees was available in advance, mm -hmm. I used to do this myself. I can't do it anymore. There's a team that now does it. But I used to go through every single name and then try to reach out in advance right. to the people who uh, I thought would be most interesting to meet for whatever reasons. And then some would respond, some would not. But even the ones who did not respond, if I could ran into them at the conference, they might recognize my name on the name tag and say, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'm sorry I didn't respond, but I'm so glad to meet you in person. And so it took a lot of prep work. I spent a lot of time on prep work, reaching out to people in advance. And that's a very good rule of thumb that a lot of people follow. Now, to answer your question very directly, the over-the-shoulder looking is the biggest faux pas, I think, in, in, in social networking in, an, in, a, in a physical environment, right, in a, at a conference. When you're at a bar or at the cocktail hour or you're at the conference hall or you're in the, you're in the hallway, as we often so often are in, in, in events, you're in the hallway and you're talking to the people and, you know, he or she is looking over your shoulder or you find mm. yourself looking over his or her shoulder. Right. And even if you're actually concentrating and you're mostly listening. The signal in that social setting is that you're look, trying to you're trying to meet someone who's more important than I am. Hmm. And it's such a it's so diminishing and it's so not nice that you also always have to make sure that you're really trying to keep that that eye contact or even if you can't keep eye contact, maybe you look at their business card or even you kind of look at listen look at their shoes a little bit while you're listening. But looking <laughs> over someone's shoulder is the is very alienating in the fragile environment of a social setting that is a networking event. Yeah, I, I can picture that happening. Uh, you know, that's a clear indication one way or the other that things aren't going 
uh, how they should. I'm going to talk a little bit about with reputation.com, what you guys do and how that might relate to the networking side and the idea of you know online contact and, and what you're putting out there. What's sort of your overall opinion, your overall strategy for individuals who would be really putting themselves out there socially on the internet, whether it be LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook? I mean, do you have a sort of uh, you know, mission statements or something to that effect where it says this is what you should or shouldn't be doing? Yeah. So reputation.com helps you hang that professional digital shingle in the way it should be hung. So we help you make sure that what you think of as your professional profile and your professional trajectory are accurately reflected on the internet. Mm. So if your passion is environmental engineering, but everything that's out there about you, well, first of all, it may not be about you. It's about the other guy who has your same name. Right, exactly. Or two, it's about the fact that you're big into fishing, which you may be, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but you're missing an opportunity here. You're missing an opportunity to tell people who are looking you up online, because they are. 80% of us have looked other, someone else up online, and we look at other people up online mm-hmm. in every circumstance, professional, romantic, personal, whatever it is. You're missing an opportunity to tell people about your passion in environmental engineering, your education in environmental engineering, your history and work and, and achievements in environmental engineering, your interest in it. And so instead of having a random Twitter feed that is about the pizza you had or a Facebook page that's all about fishing and pizza, you can make sure that your digital persona is aligned with your professional one. It doesn't mean you have to have no personality. It just means that it doesn't mean you don't have to talk about, you can't talk about fishing at all. The idea is that you have to make sure that when people look you up as they will, they're finding the things that will give you opportunities. This is so important. It's about raising that digital flag. Mm -hmm. When people look you up or look up the topic, you want them to find you and find the stuff that you have to say. And that's what reputation.com does. We are the way to outsource all that work. And one thing I seen you stress in another interview was the idea that you are not involved or nor do you feel it being proper to put anything that's false out there, whether it be sort of completely tooting your own horn or maybe it's a restaurant or a company uh, or on the other side, you know, bashing a, an individual or a company. How, how does that get monitored? How do you make sure that's not happening to you yourself if you're running a business? So you want to make sure that you have a simple Google alert for your business, okay. right? There are some other monitoring tools, but for most everybody, a simple Google alert mm-hmm. for you and your business is enough. And then if you're getting, if you're getting slammed on the web, then you probably have to pay uh, like a reputation.com to solve it. it. It's very hard to overcome a problem uh, once someone's really attacking you. On the other hand, you can do a lot of things for yourself preventatively. And whether you hire a reputation.com or you do this yourself, hanging out that digital shingle, you know, contributing your ideas and thoughts to a, a simple set of options around social media or a blog or a web page, that's very, very powerful. It creates a kind of Google insurance for yourself and also allows people to find you in, a, in an attractive way. Now, here's important. You don't have to lie. In fact, I discourage you from lying about yourself online. And the good news is you don't have to. Just by telling the truth about yourself, there's enough good stuff that happens mm-hmm. that you don't ever have to think about you know, doing more than that. You know, Some people sell it, say that you have to embellish the way you have to embellish your resume or something. Sure. I don't think you need to, and I don't think it really pays off. Yeah, you hear all the time, and in the end, it ends up biting you because eventually the truth does sort of come out. It seems like you kind of adhere to that idea as well. I absolutely adhere to that idea. Um, You know, all our training materials, all our public statements, all our private statements internally, we're all very, very consistent about the fact that you want to make sure that you're telling the truth. In the digital age, by the way, it's 
it is hard to lie as well. Sure. You, uh, so it is, it does end up biting you. But, you know, I, the reason I say it the way I say it is not only do I think it's wrong to deceive others about who you are, uh, you also, you know, online or in your digital resume or whatever it is, you also just don't have to, right? You don't even have to think about this as a moral question, even though there is a moral question here. You don't have to think about it the way. You can just think about it as something that you don't need to resort to that. You just have to tell the truth. You just have to tell the truth visibly and good things will happen. Well, Michael, it's been great you know, sort of talking about this whole idea of networking and how it fits into different areas. I just want to give you a one last opportunity before we go to sort of give our listeners a takeaway. What would be your final piece of advice when it comes to really being effective when you're getting out there and trying to network? The most important thing you have to know is that networking is a powerful tool. It takes different forms. It's not all about handing out business cards and collecting business cards. It's about planning, carefully acting, and then interacting in a way that creates a real connection. And that is the key to successful networking. Well, unfortunately, that's going to do it for us here on Moving Up the Ladder. We've discussed some keys to truly effective networking. And, of course, our guest has been Michael Furtick, the founder and CEO of Reputation.com. Michael, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks again for coming on and bringing us your perspective, your insight today. Well, fun. Thanks so much. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So if you have any thoughts on future topics for us to cover on LJN Radio, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.